Good morning. Happy Easter. You know, I, I do have such good news for all of us this morning. Um, he is here. He's where you live. He's back at home. He's in our city. He's in our world. We have not been left alone. Christ is at work, is at work in our world. We look around at our world and we see death, we see loss, we see suffering. But it all depends on where you're looking. Because also wherever there is death and suffering and loss in the world, God is here. God meets us right here in our world. He has been raised and you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you die to meet him because he's here this morning. Here's the reading. I'm going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. I will share with you that of the four Gospels, this may be my favorite because of the ending. Mark ends with a cliffhanger. It ends with us wanting more. While the Gospel has uh, several verses, has 19 verses in the 16th chapter. It really ends at verse 8. Everything after verse 8 is an add-on because someone was uncomfortable with the ending. You see, in Mark's Gospel, he was writing to a community of people who were suffering under tremendous persecution. They were feeling fear, confusion, bewilderment. And so Mark ends his Gospel with the women going to the tomb and hearing the good news, but then running away and telling no one. A lot of speculation has been done over the years as to why Mark would end here. Was it perhaps that the manuscript was tore off and lost, or was it intentional? I believe it was intentional. It was intentional because Mark wants you to write your own ending to the story. Here's the gospel then. Mark chapter 16. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were frightened. 
That's where the Gospel of Mark ends. They said nothing to anyone because they were frightened. And then if you read in your Bibles, you'll see it writes, the most ancient manuscripts of Mark conclude with verse 16.8. Later manuscripts add one or both of the following endings. This is the shorter ending. Then they briefly reported all of this to Peter and his companions. Afterwards, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation. The sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. And God's people did say. I have a question, a very important question to ask you this morning. And I'm asking the question because I want us to have a real conversation on Easter about real life. Easter, because Easter doesn't just gloss over the realities of life. Easter does not just gloss over the things that we encounter every day in life. So, so here's my question. What sadness... What grief, what sorrow did you bring with you this morning? Now, now I realize that some of you did what we often do on Sunday morning. You pulled into the parking lot, and you opened up the trunk of your car, and you took all your sorrow and your grief and your sadness, and you put it in the trunk and locked it up. And then you walked in with a smile on your face. I, I want you in your mind right now to, to go back out to the car and pick up what you left behind. And I want you to bring it in with you. And I really want you to think for a minute. What are you worried about? If you dig deep, if you dig deep in every person's life, there's a little bit of darkness inside. You know, for me, sometimes it's a lack of self-confidence. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes, for me, it's, it's, it's fear. Sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes, for me, uh, I feel like darkness kind of falls on me, and sometimes I can't even talk myself out of it. The darkness, I preach the Word, but sometimes I carry darkness. It's not far. It's not far for me. It's easy for me sometimes to look and to see darkness in me and in the world. What are you carrying this morning? It's a good question because I want to remind you that this Easter story didn't begin in a light-filled, sun-filled, bright room with flowers and music and hope and light. Easter began in the darkness. Those women on that first Easter weren't thinking hallelujah. Uh, they weren't thinking noble thoughts. They had sad thoughts. They had bad feelings. They were worried. They were scared. They were fearful. They got up on that morning, on that first Easter morning, they, they began walking to the tomb in the darkness. And they were walking to the tomb not because they expected to find life, but they were going to the tomb to anoint a dead body to give Jesus the respect he had been denied at the end of his life, a decent burial. And they were asking themselves, how are we going to roll away the stone? How are we going to move this obstacle so we can go inside and show love to the one that loved us? 
just a few hours before they had watched him be horribly crucified. Now they were thinking they were going to wash the blood from his hair and from his face and treat his wounds and anoint his body with oils and to rewrap it to give him a decent to give him a decent burial. Easter began in the dark. Now I know that you all know the ending to the story. You got up this morning and you didn't come here looking for a corpse. You've heard again and again that Jesus rose from the grave. But can we just be honest this morning that sometimes that message doesn't touch us at a deep place because the good news that he raised from the dead doesn't diminish some of the harsher realities of our life. Pressure at work, a failing marriage, struggle with a substance, plaguing fear, plaguing doubt, darkness what did you bring with you this morning on this Easter morning now this is what I want to say to you if you brought that with you this morning don't despair don't don't be afraid don't think that you lack faith I want to point out to you that you're halfway there you're already there because in order to get to the light you got to walk through the darkness you see, when it gets dark, you got to go through the darkness before the sun comes up. You see, on three occasions, Mary and the other Mary and the other woman and the disciples were told by Jesus, hey, I'm going to get killed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise from the dead. Yet on that Easter, that was the last thing in their mind. And I go, well, why didn't you believe it? They told you three times. What were you expecting? That's because the promises in this book are not real until they're tested. You see, you can't know what the resurrection is. You can't know what light is. You can't know what hope is. You can't know what faith is until you've been knocked to your knees. Until then, it's only an abstraction. Until then, it's only a belief. Until then, it's only an ideal. And so the resurrection, though they had been told it was true, did not become true until they picked up their grief and their sorrow and walked through the darkness to the tomb. Now here we see a good model for how to handle these things in life. Where were the men? The men were doing what men do when they are facing suffering. They watch ESPN. <laughs> they, they were nowhere to be found. I, I have this image and this memory burned in my brain of my dad. I received my call to ministry, to the gospel ministry, when my grandmother died. And I remember when my grandmother died that we went back to the house after the funeral and I remember what my dad did. He went out and mowed the yard. He'd already mowed it two days before. It didn't need to be cut. The only way my dad knew how to cry was through his sweat, but not through his tears. Everybody else was in the house talking about my grandmother, grieving, but my dad chose to go away and to not be in the room with everyone else. 
You see, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the male disciples. But the male disciples didn't get what the women got. The women showed to us the path to the light. It's not to fear grief. It's not to fear the questions. It's not to fear the doubt. It's not, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to leave your stuff in the car when you come into this room. You can bring your real self. Because we think that if we pretend and we hide and we we don't, when we deny, we'll see him. But the truth is, he wants to meet you in your darkest place. You walked in here this morning, and you don't feel hope. I'm preaching this morning to the person who feels doubt, who, who, who is struggling in their life. I want you to know you're right where God wants you to be. He meets you right where you are. You don't have to pick yourself up before you can meet him because he came down to where you are. He meets you in your sadness. He meets you in your fear. You're worried about your relationship coming apart. You're worried about losing your job. He is right there. He knows what's nailing you to the wood because he's been nailed to the wood himself. He knows about the betrayal you're facing because he himself has been betrayed. The only way to know that light is to bring it with you. Now, it says in the scripture the women were, am I preaching to somebody this morning? Okay, am I? All right, all right. So, so it says in the scripture that the women were shocked. You know why they were shocked? Because I do think that they believed that Jesus raised. They just expected to find a body. What I mean is when he said, I'm, I'm going to raise from the dead, they go, yeah, Jesus, that's great. When you die, you're going to go to heaven, and we'll get to see you when you go to heaven. That was the message they believed. And you know, most of you, that's what you heard your whole life, right? That the Easter Sunday is the good news that when you die, you go to heaven. And I want to say to you, that is true. That is very comforting. I'm looking around this room right now. Anybody in this room been touched by death? Raise your hand. Anybody here been to a funeral and, and buried someone you love? Every one of us in this room. There's no one in this room that's not touched by death or loss. And the good news of Easter is that when you die and they put you in a hole in the ground, there's something beyond this life. And to think otherwise is just unbearable. It's unbearable for me to think that when I preached my dad's funeral and I watched him dump six feet of dirt on top of his coffin, that my dad was going to be in the hole in the ground for all of eternity. But when I go back to my dad's grave and I stand over my dad's grave, I know he's not in that hole. I know that my dad is with Jesus. He's with Jesus. Your loved one is with Jesus. The person that you cared about is with Jesus. I never send my mom cards. I do what men do. We watch ESPN and we get our wives to write cards and mail them for us. But I sent my, I got an Easter card. I got an Easter card. It was a dog with a bunny rabbit ears on. And my wife said, what are you doing? I said, I'm sending a card to my mom. She goes, you've never done that before. Is something wrong? What's wrong with you? I do the cards in our family. You shouldn't be doing that. She said, the only card you send, all the cards I send, I sign your name. You didn't even sign my name to your card. I said, I know, I know. That's, I'm just going to go watch ESPN. And so, 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 so I wrote in the card, I wanted it to be for me. Mom, I love you, Mom. I am proud of you, Mom. Pop is with Jesus. 
your son, David. That's, that's so comforting, isn't it? But the point I want to make is that that is true. That is true. But I want to tell you, you don't have to wait till then to get him here. He's there and he's here. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. You see, life is not just about tolerating it. It's about living it and embracing it abundantly. You see, the resurrection is not just a later event. It's also a present reality. You see, I can't pronounce the Greek word. I didn't get an A in that class, but I can tell you what the word means. The word in the text is he is risen, 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 risen. It's used multiple times in the Gospel of Mark. Let me, let me recount for you how it was used. First time, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She's dying. Jesus goes in, touched her. She gets up. She cooks dinner. Easter dinner. She gets up. The phrase, she gets up, same word, risen. He resurrected her. Next story, four, four men carry a paralyzed man, drop him through a hole in the roof. He's laying on a mat. Jesus says, get up. The man gets up, same word, risen. Next story, there's a man in the synagogue. He's got a deformed hand. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. The man stretches out his hand. And the word there is a little different. It says his hand was restored. Same word, though, risen, new life, restoration. Next example, there is a man whose daughter is dying. By the time Jesus gets to the man's house, the little girl is dead. The mourners have arrived. Professional mornings are grieving. He goes up to the room and says the little girl's not dead. She's just asleep. Everybody laughs at him. He then touches the little girl, and the little girl gets up. Same word, risen, resurrection. Next story, there's a little boy who is believed to be possessed by a legion of demons who falls to the ground convulsing. Jesus says it drives out the demons from the little boy. The boy falls to the ground as if he's dead. Everybody thinks he's dead. Jesus says, get up. The boy gets up. Same word, risen. Last example in the Gospel of Mark, there's a blind man he can't see. He says to the blind man, what do you want? He says, I want to see. Jesus restores the blind man's sight. And then it says, he got up and followed Jesus. Same Greek word, risen. You see, resurrection is not just a promise of a future good over yonder where you grit and bare your teeth down here. You see, you don't have to live your life with that kind of pessimism. Oh, we're just someday, we're just going to go to a better place. This life here is just kind of hard. That's good old bad Southern religion that denies the beauty of the world we live in. I want to tell you, God didn't create the world and call it good just so we could hold on until we die while the rich people get all the good stuff. The rich people are just as miserable as everybody else. You see, you don't have to have any money. You don't have to have anything but Jesus who wants to meet you where you are in your your life you see your suffering is the place where you can have life he wants to meet you in your Galilee where's your Galilee that's where they were all from your Galilee is where you work your Galilee is your home your Galilee is your school your Galilee is your job he wants to meet you where you are so you can be risen and there's a lot of dying that goes on in life we die to all kinds of things Dreams, hopes, love, 
relationships, but every time we die, he just keeps coming back again and again and again. I mean, what kind of God is that but a God of love? What kind of God is it that would send his son back to the world that killed him? A God of unconditional love. That's the kind of God is. I tell you what, if the world hurt my son, I wouldn't send him back, but he did. If, my, if the world betrayed my son, I'd say stay away. The whole world betrayed him, betrayed God's son, but sent him right back into the world. Why? Because, man, that's what God's love is. You can hate God, but God's still going to love you. You can turn from God, but he'll never turn from you. Because God's love is unconditional. And I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how you were made. You are beautiful and precious in his sight. Because God's goodness is so good you can't outbad his good. Let me say it one more time. Some of you are not feeling it this morning. God's good, his soul good, you can't outbad. I'm going to get a little Pentecostal. You can't outbad, you can't outbad his good. And so the resurrection shows up whenever we are real and offer our life to him. And we continue to love and serve. The resurrection says that God has not given up on this world and never will. That's why every act of forgiveness matters. Every piece of art matters. Every piece of music played matters. Every act of justice matters. Every warm embrace matters. Every meal cooked matters so it ends with the women frightened and afraid and running away why did he do that why because he's making a point the story's not over it isn't finished he didn't write an ending to the story because he knew if he wrote an ending now, now I didn't ask him he didn't tell me this directly but this is David Emery's uh, preacher's license here. I'm talking and you're not, so. <laughs> but but this, is what, this is what I think. I think he ended it there on purpose because if he would have wrapped it up, you would have thought it was wrapped up. You would have thought it was already done. But you see, he didn't wrap it up because the resurrection goes on and on. It's still going. It's still happening. And he wants you to write the ending to your own story.